1975, Jaws was released. It is routinely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time and is generally credited with creating the concept of the summer blockbuster. In 1978, in an obvious cash grab, Jaws 2 was released, failing to have lightning strike a second time, but presenting a generally enjoyable film. In 1983, Jaws 3D was released, shamelessly attempting to take advantage of a gullible audience. By 1987, there was no pretense of quality as Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine cashed paychecks for sleepwalking through a pointless and incredulous sequel. In 2016, Paul Spatero created Is It Jaws, in which he and a group of rotating guest hosts discuss new and old movies and place them up against the Jaws scale, which ignores some elements of the actual films and sets forth a rating scale. Jaws, an all-time great classic film. Jaws 2, an enjoyable film with some flaws but worthy of multiple viewings. Jaws 3, a moderately enjoyable film. And finally, Jaws 4, a bad movie. Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws? Oh dear, Mr. Baldwin. It looks as though we're in for a bit of a thin Christmas. Don't you worry, Mr. B. I'm hanging my sock up so Santa will come down the chimney. Mr. Baldrick, I guarantee that if there's one thing liable to stop Santa coming down the chimney, it's your sock waiting for him at the end of it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Yours? I'm Paul Spataro, and I am here metaphorically with my Christmas buddy uh, in the Skype chat room. Uh, Mr. Sean Whalen. Sean, welcome aboard again. I am thrilled to be here, and we're very festive today. Yeah, we couldn't be more festive. You'd never know it by looking at us, but <laughs> oh, the festiveness is dripping off of us. Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, this is going to actually post, if my memory is correct, date-wise, uh, on December 24th. Cool. So, Merry Christmas. I hope you got me something good, Sean. I got you the chance to talk about Black Adder. <laughs> and and what more what 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 better gift could you get me than that? And you know what? The, this is the problem when we don't check with each other. I got you the same thing. <laughs> this is way too, this isn't such a bad gift, my friend. <laughs> so so we we as as you've just heard, we're here today looking at Black Adder's Christmas Carol. Now, Black Adder was a BBC series, and I'm going to give you the background on that in a moment. Uh, in the 1980s, uh, you may or may not be familiar with it. I would suspect most of our audience is not. Uh, it's it's not one that's been heavily publicized over the years, but I think you know the word word has slipped out, and people have heard a lot of people have heard of it, a lot of people haven't. If you haven't, I'm going to start off the episode right away by saying you need to seek out this show, if especially especially if you like you know British humor and the you know that type of uh, comedy. So by way of background, 
Blackadder had four seasons. Each series is set in a different period of British history, beginning in 1485 and ending in 1917, and comprises six half-hour episodes. Blackadder follows the misfortunes of Edmund Blackadder, played by Rowan Atkinson, who in each series is a member of the same British family dynasty. It is implied in each series that the Blackadder character is a descendant of the previous one. The end theme lyrics of Series 2 episode Head specify that he is the great-grandson of the previous, although it is never specified how or when any of the Blackadders, who are usually bachelors, manage to father children. In Series 1, Edmund Blackadder is not particularly bright and is much the intellectual inferior of his servant, servant Baldrick, played by Tony Robinson. However, in subsequent series, the positions are reversed. Blackadder is clever, shrewd, scheming, and manipulative, while Baldrick is extremely dim. Each incarnation of Blackadder and Baldrick is also saddled with tolerating the presence of a dim-witted aristocrat. In the first two series, this is Lord Percy Percy, played by Tim McInerney. Hugh Laurie plays the role in the third and fourth series as Prince George, Prince Regent, and Lieutenant George, respectively. The first series, made in 1983, was called The Blackadder and was set in the fictional reign of Richard IV. The second series, Blackadder II, 1986, was set during the reign of Elizabeth. Blackadder III, 1987, was set during the late 18th and 19th centuries in the reign of George III. And Blackadder Goes Forth, 1989, was set in 1917 in the trenches of the Great War. Now, I first became familiar with Blackadder uh, in the late 1980s. I was working somewhere and one of the co-workers started talking about having watched it the night before on PBS and how funny it was. So I listened to that. And the next week when they showed the next episode, I decided to watch it. And I have been hooked ever since. Uh, I started to record them on my VHS recorder each week to make sure that I saw them and, and kept kept them. Eventually, I bought the complete series on DVD, which I still have. I have not upgraded to uh, Blu-ray, and I probably will not. I think, you know, the DVDs are fine. But I love this series, and every once in a while, I break it out and check it out and watch it. And uh, I've recommended it to friends. I don't think I've ever recommended it to anybody who was not a fan. It's, I grew up uh, a fan of Doctor Who. Uh, it was something I discovered in the late 70s and became just a fan of British sci-fi through Doctor Who. And this was one that uh, came across in college. A friend recommended it. And, you know, we're so used to the concept of binge watching now a, a television series because, you know, growing up, television series were 22, 23 episodes. Um, this is very typical for at least, you know, my exposure to British television to have these shorter, tighter series. And this was my first exposure. Blackadder 2 was uh, the exposure. We watched it all in one evening because just couldn't stop watching it. It was so hysterical and loved the humor. Like you, I've owned it multiple times. <laughs> I've got it digitally now, too, um, through iTunes, just because of the fact that um, I love the series so much. Uh, so this it, it's just been a joy to revisit. Because I haven't this one I haven't seen in a while. And my wife and I watched it for the first time for uh, the purpose of this. And she had never seen Blackadder, um, which is amazing considering, you know, we've been married for over 20 years. And the fact that we've never I've watched it again since then, but she's never watched it with me. So I, that's going to happen now. 
Now, now I'm curious, and I, I hate, I don't mean to to stereotype or to be a misogynist of any sort, but I do find that a lot of times the British humor, like Monty Python and such, uh, for whatever reasons I cannot say a lot of times men seem to find it funnier than women do i don't know why uh did your wife enjoy this she did now now to the point of are we going to watch more of it together i don't know i mean we'll see i mean that's i'm i'm excited to watch more she liked the episode so whether or not you know that's going to be the the real gauge is going to be does she want to see any more of it as we go forward But It'll be uh, interesting she, to see if at some point she says, hey, Sean, why don't we put on that that series? This For people, um, first of all, if you haven't watched this um, before we start really having into the discussion, you should um, beforehand, because this is a very different Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah, and by way of background on that, A Black Adder Christmas Carol is a one-off episode of Black Adder, and it's a parody of Charles Dickens' 1843 novella. Uh, it is set between Black Adder the Third and Black Adder Goes Forth. It's narrated by Hugh Laurie, produced by the BBC, and first aired on December 23rd of 1988. Now, that said, I don't think you need to watch the entire series in order to do it. I think you need to have just a basic uh, concept of what it is. And just the description I think I gave of the... Uh, series gives you that background so i think you know if you you can go into it with this being the first episode that you watch uh you you just need to know that you know under normal circumstances blackadder is a scheming manipulative sarcastic bastard uh and on this series he he doesn't start out that way uh it is taking a christmas carol and putting it on you know twisting it on its ear and flipping it over and saying okay we're going to take a very nice person and have him visited and decide being nice is not the way to go so the way this you know just briefly the way this one goes is it starts off with black adder and baldrick uh as possibly you know the nicest people around and people came to come to visit in his shop and everybody who comes takes advantage of him and he's willingly donating to them and they're they are not nice people uh and they they totally take advantage of him and then he's visited by the spirit of christmas who shows him his ancestors and what life is like if he was scheming and manipulative but the spirit of christmas shows him this saying see you're a good boy these are bad people and but little by little he starts asking questions and you could just see it's dawning on him that being manipulative will get him further in life as far as riches and all of that goes uh and then there's another twist to that at the very end, too, which I won't even get into right now. But it, it's definitely a different take on A Christmas Carol than I've ever seen in any other format. Uh, and I've seen so many different versions of A Christmas Carol. So, I, you know, to come up with a unique take on it is is very refreshing. Aside from a couple of the characters that visit him, and uh, in particular, it's the, you know, the queen, uh, which we'll get we'll get into um, every you're right. Everyone's mean. <laughs> and he's like he's almost a victim. Like he remains. It's strange to say that he remains the hero of the story, but he remains the hero of the story because of the fact that everyone is so horrid that you all you want to see the turn. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you start feeling bad for him as it's going on because everybody takes advantage. And, and you can see that, I mean, not only 
are they they manipulative, but they're annoying, <laughs> and, and you, you want him to smack them down. Uh, now, just anybody who's familiar with Rowan Atkinson as being Mr. Bean, uh, this is a very, very different character, and in my opinion, a far superior character. I was watching this before Mr. Bean was on, and when Mr. Bean started being advertised at the time, I thought, oh, this is, you know, that, that's Blackadder. I have to watch this. And honestly, I was never a big Bean fan. Bean is, to me, Bean is, is something that's aimed more at younger children. Uh, I do remember taking my kids to see one of the Mr. Bean movies one time, and, you know, I, I wasn't particularly into that. But this Rowan Atkinson, I would go see anytime. Uh, I think he's, he, you know, he's, he's sarcastic, he's manipulative, he's nasty, and he's funny. Uh, and the cast around him is is ter- tremendous. They're all they all play their parts really really well. What's intriguing with the uh, Black Adder and Mr. Bean, if you see both of them, um, for anybody that's their exposure to him has been Mr. Bean. This shows his range because Mr. Bean was very much um, to your point. It's more of that um, cartoony physical comedy to it, whereas this um, boy. There's some smart writing. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the, the dialogue is really what is going to uh, draw you into this. I mean, I would even to the you mentioned themes earlier. The theme for this, you definitely want to listen to because the lines in it are great. I mean, there's this there's this whole bit in the beginning where it's he never spend a nasty rumor or spread a nasty rumor. and He doesn't laugh at toilet humor. And it's. <laughs> The whole thing is, as you're going through, you would think it would be this setup to this wonderful, nice man. It's actually the opening theme is making fun of this nice man because of the fact that he's so gullible. And it's great that even the theming is well written to lead you into the episode. There, there's nothing untouched in this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I forget where it's going to go. <laughs> uh, I, Damn, I had something in mind that casting, I was going to say. Casting you were talking about, and um, one of the char- one of the actors in that's pretty impressive in this one is Hugh Laurie, um, which, you know, boy, if you know him in the U.S. from House, um, we that's a, that's a character that uh, is drastically different than what you're seeing here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if you've ever seen House, he plays a, an American doctor who's uh, effectively like the Sherlock Holmes of doctors. Uh, and it was an enjoyable series. I, it was a while when I was watching the episodes of that, and I, I definitely enjoyed it. But to see you, Laurie, in that role, you wouldn't even, at least I didn't, I did not pick out that he was a British actor when I was watching that. I nope. just, you know, I, I that was my, and you, you know, the, I got to take this a step further. I had already watched Black Adder, and I knew who you, Laurie, was on Black Adder. I didn't know him by name, but I knew the actor from the, from watching him then when i was watching house i it took me a little while for it to dawn on me that it was the same guy so that's with having been familiar with him as an actor already uh he looks totally different and you can you got to keep in mind there's probably 20 years in between when they did black adder and when he did house uh so there's you know that would explain a difference in appearance anyway uh but then the you know the accent and the character which shows you laurie's range uh is just you know tremendous and i do remember what i was going to say before i if you're a fan of old tv uh 
and you ever watched the old Jackie Gleason show, not the Honeymooners, the Jackie Gleason show, he used to do these different characters. And one of the characters he did was called the poor soul. And he didn't speak, but he would do everything by mime and all of that. And that's what Mr. Bean reminded me of. Oh, I can see that. I didn't make the link until you just said it right now, but boy, I can definitely see that linkage in this. And uh, I think that's, that's what made, uh, that's what made it fun. Mm-hmm. So, so back to the cast again. Uh, Tony Robinson as Baldrick in the series and in this show is hilarious. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. So he's not a big name as far as I'm concerned. But wow, he's stellar in in this whole series. He's, he's be- he, yeah, he's one of the reasons to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, the, the interplay between the two of them is absolutely priceless. We also have Stephen Fry, who, uh, along with you, Laurie, had a uh, comedy uh, skit show, I, I believe, before Blackadder. Uh, the two of them had that together, and that was – I've only seen bits and pieces of that, but that was really good, what I did see. Are You you were familiar with that, right? Yeah, it's a bit of Fry and Laurie, and um, I've, I've seen all of it, and it's absolutely tremendous. Um, it just it, – to the point of when you were mentioning House earlier – um, it just shows the range of Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry's a genius. <laughs> I just I think he's fantastic. Um, I, I love this kind of humor. Um, it's something very different, and it's one of the reasons why I'm I'm so excited that we're talking about and and spotlighting this particular production, just because of the fact that it points people to Blackadder that may not have seen it before, um, because it's such a talented cast. It's you know, so we're, sometimes a show can be totally crafted around a singleton person like Rowan Atkinson and Rowan Atkinson can carry a show by himself. But when you go through this cast, there is not a wasted casting in this. And that's something that's pretty critical is uh, everybody that's in this is fantastic. And they're such wild characters. Um, Millicent was one in particular that stood out for me, who was played by Nicola Bryant, who I knew from Doctor Who. She's completely unrecognizable in that role. Um, mm. That's the costuming in this, and um, it's, not, it's the acting well in that costuming. People really embraced their characters, who were sometimes just flat out obnoxious. Um, Millicent being one of those examples. <laughs> and, uh, when she 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 was making that crazy cackling laugh outside the window, and you knew before you even saw her kind of what she was going to look like. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's, you know, to get back to what we were saying, too, though, it's it's uh, these these other characters, with the exception of Baldrick, uh, were were mostly annoying <laughs> in their own way. And they would be taking advantage of the nice black adder. Uh, and so it allowed when there was a turn for you to to be happy <laughs> that, that he was turning nasty because you didn't want to see him taken advantage of anymore. And and she is definitely one of the characters that fits that mold. Um, in the, I don't believe he was ever in the regular series, but Robbie Coltrane plays the Spirit of Christmas, and most people would know him as Hagrid from the Harry Potter movies. 
Now, if you were listening to this show when we covered the Harry Potter movies, uh, we were we often talked about, well, who else would you cast in this role? And very often the guy I came up with was Brian Blessed. Now, he isn't in this special, but he was in the first series of Black Adder. And that's where I know him from. And that's the the way he played the character in that show was the way I kind of pictured him translating over to Harry Potter. So it's another thing if you if you haven't seen it and you start watching it, another thing just to kind of keep in mind. He would have been a great spirit of Christmas. <laughs> it's so loud and boisterous and just. Yes. You know, just takes over the screen. Uh, we also just another thing on the Harry Potter uh, connection is Jim Broadbent plays Prince Albert in this. And he was in the last three Harry Potter movies, three or four, I believe just three. Uh, and again, to me, unrecognizable. I didn't realize when I was watching the Harry Potter movies that he was this actor. Uh, until I looked at the cast here and I saw his name and I was like, wait a minute, that that's he totally different and yet very funny. He's the forgetful, uh, you know, just kind of like dim witted assistant to the queen, or I guess he's the husband of the queen rather. Uh, and, and just very funny. Everybody in this is funny. I, I feel like I'm just getting repetitive just saying that, but the, the supporting cast is just top notch. Patsy Byrne as Nursey Bernard um, with um, Miranda Richardson as the queen. I just absolutely love Patsy Byrne in this. Uh, Nursey was just one of my, cause, and I, I got to admit the soft spot for me was Blackadder 2 is my first exposure to Blackadder. So that particular season, that particular grouping just really kind of pulled me into the whole world. And I, her way of playing off of the queen is very similar to what Baldrick does for Black Adder. And mm. I just loved the pairing. Um, she, it's not that she's constantly talking. It's when she talks, it's what she says that is sometimes so out there that, um, and so outlandish that you don't expect it to be from the queen's caregiver. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she uh, just wonderfully cast as this this character and embraces the role again over the over the top at times um in what she does but um just fabulous in this and that was the, that was the joy of this special was if you'd been watching black adder it was a chance to revisit some of your favorite seasons and if you hadn't seen if you haven't seen Black Adder before, I think this to the point of what you were saying earlier, this isn't a bad entryway into the series because it'll give you a little taste of what you should be checking out because it does touch on more than one of the seasons in some of the Christmas flashback sequences. The, the strange thing is, I think this is almost a better intro to the series than starting at series one. Agreed. Uh, you know, series series one. I I like Sean. I think I came in in series two when I first started watching it, and series two is easier to. Or let me just back that up. Series one is easier to get into if you're already familiar with the characters. Sort yes. of. Series one is is a little bit more of the local British production type thing, uh, and as an American, it's a little bit harder to adapt to. Or at least it was when I first watched it the first time. I don't know if other people have had that experience. But Series 2 became a little bit more of what we're used to in sitcoms, I believe. Uh, and it was a little bit more accessible to our style of sitcom. So 
by watching series two first and then going back and seeing series one, I think I enjoyed it more and I got hooked much more cleanly than if I had started at series one, which is a very strange thing to say, but it's just, I, I feel like it's the reality of it, or it was at least for me. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I actually, I think series two is absolutely, if you're jumping, if this is your first foray into it, the kiss for Christmas Carol, Highly recommend jumping in with season two, which is I don't normally do that with with a show, but um, series two is absolutely the best series out of all of them. And I think a great gateway to you want to watch the rest after watching series two. But I think series two makes you get it. I mean, I think after series two, you get the whole Black Adder concept. Yeah, I, I think series series one, it's, it's again, it's weird to say, but series one is funnier. If you watch it after you saw series two mm-hmm. and I don't know exactly why, but it's it just, that's the way it, it played for me. Uh, so if, if I haven't gotten into the, the, you know, the theme of this, you know, he's, he's a good guy and the spirit of Christmas visits him and shows him what his ancestors were like. Uh, and that makes him swap over. So when he, you know, we talked about it with Mr. Magoo that the switch is key. When 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 Mr. Magoo switched from being the miser to the generous guy, you have to, you have to kind of feel that coming and and feel it when when it happens that you you know that you're happy that it's happening and that it's it's a good thing. And amazingly, they managed to do that here with him becoming a bad guy. And again, a lot of that has to do with the fact that these other people are so despicable uh, that it that it's nice to see him turn it around and and t- come on to them. But uh, it's it's the same kind of development that we talked about with that, where you see little by little where it's dawning on him. You know, he starts off, he couldn't be nicer. And then as the people are visiting him, little by little, he's like, you know, he seems to be getting more sarcastic with them as it's going on. And then he get, gets visited by the uh, by the spirit of Christmas who shows him these things. And, he, and he's, you know, like you see it dawn on him. So then when he does the turn at the end of the episode, you know, you're rooting for him. You're cheering him that he's doing it. Uh, and then again, there's a uh, another twist on that at the end, too. It's just to, just to show that, that it's not all good for them. Uh, but just laughs throughout. I can't you know, I can't say enough good things about this. And and when I say about this, I mean this special and the series, both of them. It's strong comedy because of the fact that there's strong acting. Um, a lot of times with comedy, um, the talent is not given credit on a really strong one like this for the fact that they're able to bring about a myriad of emotions. Because, yes, th- there's there's humor throughout this, but there's also his reaction every time somebody walks into the shop. You can almost see a growing fatigue over like another person that's going to come in and take something from him. (laughs) And like he sees it coming. He's this very nice and very generous man. It's true. But that sarcasm being there and also kind of knowing that, I mean, even the matches, you know, like she comes in and she's selling him the matches and charging him this exorbitant amount of money for it, which is everything that he has except for the penny um, that was left behind. And, you know, the the whole sequence was hysterical because of the fact that he references the fact that he knows she's lying. And that she's cheating him, but still does it anyway because of the fact that he's trying to be kind to this woman 
who claims to be doing it for her kid, who is a sham anyway, because this kid is not injured the way that she's implying that he's injured. <laughs> yeah, Which, well, and, and that's Tiny Tim. Right, uh, right. And then and he's like, Tiny Tim is three stone or something like that. Like, <laughs> like he's a big fat kid. <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah, there's there's so much stuff like that that's that's you know you, you I've said in the past frequently that written humor is very very difficult. Yeah. That, that it's very very rare that I'll read something and crack up laughing over it. So by extension, I think that tells you that that the, when we see these things and we laugh so much, it is by it's it's how it's being given to us by the actors. Mm-hmm. That's what's making us laugh. It's 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 the intonation when they when they say the lines, or it's the physical movements that they make when they say the lines. And and there are so many things like that that you know, people talk about comic timing and everything, and and it 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 is critical. Uh, you know, you, again, you know, you you could you can relay something that you saw in a movie or or a TV show and say, oh, this was so funny, this happened, and you could see the person who you're saying it to just have like kind of a blank look on their face because they don't think it's funny because you or for that matter I don't have the ability to relay the comedy the way the actor on on the screen did, uh, and I think you know it's very very apparent in this. It's not just the funny lines; it's the way they're delivered. It's the the body movements, the the acting in general. This is this is great comic acting. And also the reaction of the other talent, because um, yeah. that's something that that's where this casting is critical. Sometimes the person playing it straight is the way that they do it and the way that they act it out is so perfect that it adds and enhances the line that's being delivered. Um, that's where this one is. It's it's definitely not the um, Rowan Atkinson stand-up special. This is um, definitely an interaction with an incredibly talented cast that knows when to react a certain way that's appropriate to their character and and makes you – I mean, these characters are all fully realized, um, which there's nobody that walks in the door that doesn't have a three-dimensional feel to them. You kind of get to know what people's backstories – incredibly quick in this because this is a living breathing world in this special because there's some characters that were not in the tv series proper to what you were mentioning earlier that um manifest themselves here and we know exactly who they are we can tell you what their last three years were like we can i mean it's very interesting to be able to in a very short period of time get to know i think so many characters so well and that's that's a testament to great writing as well Agreed. So I feel like we've been just gushing over this one from the start. Uh, is this anything about it that we, we haven't hit on? I can't think of anything. Um, it's it's one of those where I, I will say from like a musical standpoint, um, there's not a whole lot that stood out to me, but it wasn't meant to be that. Um, the music was more used um, from a humorous standpoint. I will say the music was brilliant in the fact that theming um, in the beginning was incredible. Um, I think um, the the actors that were singing, like for Christmas carols when they'd open up the door and things like that, um, that stuff just added to the humor. It was really used as a humorous tool. 
um, versus I don't remember other than that music or sound playing a huge role in this other than those pieces. But uh, you may have had a different experience with this with me. You know, this this the one thing that I, I'm thinking of that we that we didn't mention is and I found this in my research. There's there's a scene in there where they talk about uh, uh, putting on a, a nativity scene uh and oh, yeah. and and the, the baby because of <laughs> you know i mean this is this is not a funny thing to talk about but uh you know because of the mortality rate of children they they don't have a baby jesus basically to to play that uh and uh they end up with a dog playing it uh playing the baby and there there's a, a part in that where apparently it got a little too over the top as far as the references to Jesus, uh, and they had to actually, the, you know, the censors took out a uh, a line about, I guess, I, I believe it was about them reenacting the crucifixion. Uh, so, you know, I mean, this is not, I, I, I'd say that from the point of view, that was taken out, but I do not believe this is a uh, a show that is meant for the very young, is what I would say. They, well, they reference Jesus again later on in in one of the sequences, where um, one of the prince was basically saying, "I don't want that depressing story about that uh, that boy." <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know who uh, who who you know basically referenced the fact that you know went through that whole thing straight through to the crucifixion, <laughs> and then black hatters, you mean Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> Which was funny on a Christmas special for them to do that. But it it was definitely um, they were edgy in this, very yes. very edgy in this throughout. Yeah. So if if you're extremely sensitive to edgy humor, mm-hmm. then it's probably not for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not so easily insulted, so I I find it to be just laugh out loud funny, and it's not constantly with the edgy humor. It's just occasionally they just drift there. Uh, it's also 88. I mean, that's one of the things you have to remember when you're um, watching this. This is not today. This was created in 88. So the, what what was more acceptable in in humor um, was certainly different than I, I don't I don't know how you make this today. There's a lot of things I don't know how you make today. Yeah, yeah. And I, we could go on and on about that because I do feel like to some extent that is a big loss. I, you know, people can say, well, the loss is evened out by what we gain in other ways. And we could debate that and go back and forth. I'm just going to say there were things that I, I've seen as, as a younger person that I really enjoyed. And it makes me sad that they can't do certain things now. Anyway. Well, you're, here's the thing. You're fans. Uh, you're a fan of things like the Marx Brothers, like I am. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely others and stuff like that. And I think one of the things that's nice about going back through time and taking a look at classic movies and taking, you know, straight through to this in 88, um, different humor in different eras. It's nice that we still have the opportunity to revisit them and and see them from their place of creation and uh, be able to watch them over and over and enjoy them over and over again. This being Agreed. Agreed. Now, all that said, I don't think anybody listening to this will be in the slightest bit surprised that the series and the special, I'm ranking them both as Jaws. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, this is definitely Jaws. Um, this one I almost feel like is a public service message. Like uh, if if you to uh, the only piece I'd put on there is the caveat you said, if um, this type of humor is something that 
edgy humor like that is something that's not your cup of tea, then I would avoid it. Um, otherwise, you're missing something if you haven't watched this. Um, this I, I really do feel like this is a PSA, like, hey, catch catch this if you somehow missed it. Because Mr. Bean, you're right, I think is m- much more well-known of his work. And I think this is the one that is sometimes missed um, by the U.S. audience. And I'm hoping that uh, people jump on this because of it because it's it's a this is a treat (laughs) yeah it really is and you know i I hope i I didn't make the caveat too large because if it scares people away then i'm going to be disappointed i'd I'd really love to hear from people saying hey i had never heard of this before and i watched it because you told me about it and you know tell me what you think if that happened tell us what you think uh in the meanwhile uh, I'm going to wish everybody who's listening a very, very Merry Christmas. Uh, and uh, I'm going to wish my partner, Sean, and his family a Merry Christmas as well. And Paul, uh, we'll, we'll see you in, uh, sometime in the new year. Paul, and to our listening audience, doing this has been a pure treat. I absolutely love doing this show. I love being a part of this. And uh, this is another great example of something that's uh, been very fun to revisit on the show. I want to echo one other thing that Paul said. Um, if you're watching this for the first time, jump into our Facebook group. And let us know if you're revisiting it. Let us know. Like what what was your reaction to this? Either seeing it again or visiting it for the first time, because I'd love to see if somebody watched this for the first time. I'd love to live vicariously through you and know know what you either way, even if you didn't like it. I'd like to know like what you didn't like and and why. Yeah, I I would be interested in knowing. You know, if somebody picked it up because we said and what they thought, I'd also be very, very happy to find out that we were wrong. And most of our, our audience already knows about this and loves it. Yeah. Either way, either way, I'd be happy. So let us know what you think. And again, Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention when you were out there, there was this enormous ghostly creature coming here saying, beware, for tonight you shall receive a strange and terrible visitation. I just thought I'd mention it. <laughs> Come through the wall, said its peace, and then it sodded off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fine. Good night, Mr. Baldrick. Good night.